Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 351 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Montero. As always, I remind you guys, make sure that you pay the fee for this show. It's non-monetary. All I ask is that you spread the word. Uh, we get this show out there by just word of mouth. We don't do advertisements. We don't broadcast it or uh, pup, you know, blow it up anywhere uh, on other people's broadcasts. We ask for you guys to spread the word. So that is the fee for the show. And I ask you guys to do that every week. You pay the fee for every single episode of the show. And that's how we continue to grow this thing. So as you guys jump here on the chat, please make sure that you're smashing that uh, thumbs up button. And this is our first Monday show in over four months. We're on a couple hours earlier than normal, and I'll be doing it a little earlier than normal for a little while. Um, while I got some other things going on and um, we're still, me and my wife are still figuring out the situation, how we're going to make all this work with our young daughter. And then we have another one on the way and all this. So uh, we're figuring it out guys. So we're going to go on Mondays. We'll just go a little earlier than normal. Also going to rip through the show uh, quickly. So any of you guys who want to get on the phone lines, go ahead and call in in the next few minutes. Um, I got a quick review and then preview and then we could do phones. So if you guys want to talk, um, hopefully I, I did it right because <laughs> it's been a while. I'm a little rusty. Uh, I got to admit, uh, it took me a minute to get everything logged in. So um, hopefully I got the phone lines up properly and you guys can call in. If you have any issues with that, let me know in the chat. Um, oh, yeah. One of you guys in the chat here, Christopher sees my Satrials shirt. My cousin Ricky got me this. It's, it's, it's awesome. I love it. For those of you who love the Sopranos as much as me, you know all about Satrials. All right, let's jump right into this, man. Let's let's get right into this. Um, and so we had a couple of things, uh, a couple of big things take place last Saturday, July 8th. Let's start in uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey. PBC on Showtime, Jerron Boots Ennis improves to 31-0 with a KO-10 win over Roman Villa out of Colombia, who uh, was coming off an upset win over Rashidi Ellis back in January. That's kind of what got him in position for this fight. And he uh, he fought his heart out. He absolutely was in there to try to win. He was just outskilled and outclassed in pretty much every way, except maybe for toughness. Uh, but he showed true grit. But a lot of people thought that this fight could have been stopped a, a couple rounds earlier. You can make that argument. Either way, Jerron Ennis gets the stoppage, defends his interim welterweight title, called out Stanley Onis, who was supposed to fight in Texas. More on that in a second. Uh, and maybe that fight happens next. But um, look, for Jerron Ennis, there are a lot of people that think he's ready for Terrence Crawford and, and uh, Errol Spence right now. I wouldn't go that far. I'd pump the brakes on that. I want to see him in there against a guy like Stanley Onis because let's face it, Ennis hasn't fought anybody near a top 10 welterweight quite yet. And we almost don't know who the top 10 welterweights are anymore because these guys just don't fight enough. It's hard to have top 10 ratings in many divisions right now because these guys are so inactive. But Ennis is not going to get a fight with um, bigger name guys that you've heard of. I mean, I don't think Keith Thurman would want to fight him at this point. There's just nothing in it for Keith unless they can throw a boatload of money at him or something. And a big problem with Ennis is he's very, very high risk right now, very, very low reward. He simply doesn't have a big brand. And for a guy as skilled as he is, athletic as he is, he's he's pretty good. He's a pretty good interview. He's pretty good on the mic and everything. He needs a little bit of polishing, you know, but he's pretty good naturally. 
And um, as skilled as he is, and he's out of Philadelphia, a city with such a great fighting tradition, especially for African-American fighters, you would just think that this guy would have a massive following already. He's got over 30 professional fights. And the truth is, I don't know if he could sell 5,000. Maybe he could, but I don't think he'd sell 10,000 in Philadelphia. I don't think so. So uh, unless maybe he got a fight with like a Danny Garcia or something who's also a Philly guy, you know, that's that's different, but that's not going to happen anyway. Um, so he's in a tough spot. He's in a good spot in this, <clears throat> in the sense that he's got an interim belt. And I've been telling you guys, um, hell, since last year, that when Crawford and Spence fight, they're both going to move up to 154 after that first fight. And all those belts are going to get broken up. So I think right now, I don't even, I can't remember. I think it's the IBF that Ennis has, the the, the interim IBF. He's going to have, he's going to by possibly the end of this year, but maybe even early next year, he's going to be elevated to the full IBF champion. He'll be the IBF champion at welterweight. And that division's going to be wide open. Uh, but he's going to have a tough time finding names that want to get in the ring with him. As I mentioned before, Spence and Crawford are going to move up to 154 at the end of this year. Definitely Spence is, uh, depending on how all that shakes out. If they do a rematch next year, those two, it'll be at 154 or perhaps some kind of catchweight above welterweight. The, the belts are going to get broken up. So Ennis is going to have a belt. He's going to have a title, but he doesn't necessarily have the big names. And because he doesn't bring any um, – the big names won't be interested in fighting him, I should say, because, again – very, very low reward, very, very high risk. And he doesn't bring any economic muscle to the table. So he's in a tough spot in that sense. And what makes it even tougher is what I got to say here. Uh, Golden Boy Promotions had a fight card in San Antonio, Texas. Also, last Saturday, it was supposed to be headlined by Virgil Ortiz Jr. He was supposed to fight Stan Leonis, right? That fight got delayed uh, three times. And Ortiz has had some health issues now for several years. And that fight was supposed to be Virgil Ortiz's coming out party in the sense that he was finally going to get in there with the top 10 guy. And I think Stanios has another interim belt himself. So this will be a chance for Ortiz to get that interim belt. And then people could start talking about Ennis and Ortiz, right? We've already been talking about that. Those two guys were the future of the welterweight division, although they're both going to be middleweights one day. Uh, they're huge welterweights, particularly Ennis. I don't know how the hell he makes weight at 26 years old, but um, Ortiz is 25 himself, and both of them are almost uh, – well, obviously Ortiz is outgrowing the welterweight division, but Ennis will soon. Anyway, we were going to have those two guys to talk about, right? Th those were the two guys that you could have a rivalry you know, Texas versus Philadelphia. You, the demographics are all there. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Right out of central casting, a Hollywood script writer couldn't a screenwriter couldn't word it any better. Those were the two guys. I don't know what's up with Virgil Ortiz. Uh, I do believe he will fight again, but I don't know if he's ever going to be the same guy. So I was looking back at this guys. Um, Virgil Ortiz has only fought four times since 2020 He's 25 years old. It's one thing if you do that when you're a fighter in your 30s and you're experienced, you've been fighting at the world title level, the elite level for a while, and you have a little bit of inactivity later on in your career. doesn't really hurt a veteran fighter as much as it hurts a young guy who's still in the peak years of his development phase. And let's face it, Ennis, um, 
Ortiz, last week I talked I talked about Jared Big Baby Anderson. These guys are still in their development phase. You can call them contenders if you want to. That's fine, okay? I'm not going to argue over semantics. But these guys are not ready for the top elite level fighters. Ennis is not ready for Spence and Crawford. He's just not. He needs to fight a guy in between the level he's fighting now and that level. And same thing with Ortiz, same thing with Anderson and some other fighters I can mention, right? Uh, these guys are still in their developmental phase. And when you're inactive during your developmental years, that's going to cost you, especially when you're having health issues and it's got to be related to making weight. So let me make sure I got these numbers right. I'm going to share um, share my screen real quick. I'm just, I pulled up Virgil Ortiz's box record. You can see he was suspended by the Texas commission indefinitely because of what happened. I should, I don't even know if I mentioned guys, he actually fainted according to reports Ortiz did. And it wasn't like during the weigh-in or anything like that. He, he fainted and was hospitalized overnight. And as I mentioned before, this was the third postponement for this fight with Stan Jonas. but I'm just going back here and I'm looking, um, I was checking this out earlier in 2018. Ortiz fought a few times. And then in 2019, he fought four times, actually. And that's when he really started to get some buzz, particularly when he beat um, Herrera and then Orozco and then Brad Solomon. Those wins over those quality, you know, uh, gatekeeper type of veteran guys, they uh, really, really got Virgil Ortiz on fans' radar. And so he fought four times in 2019. It was that activity, too. But if you look at since then, one fight in 2020. Now that was COVID year. That's that year was a just bad year for everybody. Okay. But only two fights in 2021, only one fight last year, and he hasn't fought yet this year. It may not fight at all in 2023. So that's bad news for a kid. Like I said, in the peak years of his development, developmental phase, trying to take him from a prospect to a bona fide contender and the way i use the word contender is a guy who's ready to fight the elite okay some people say if you're a contender you just can fight for a title well you can fight me for a title these days that's how many world titles there are you can fight a guy like me for a world title after time i'm talking i call these guys contenders when they're ready for the very best in their division that's when i call them contenders and they're trying to gold boy promotions is trying to get him to that stage um so Back in 2020, I was just looking at this. Uh, Ortiz got COVID once. I think he got it again in 2021. And he was one of those guys, and it's just just genetics. It's completely random. He had a tough time with COVID. I know, like, I got COVID, and I just felt tired for a couple days. It was nothing to me. The flu, way worse. I've had the flu before, way worse. Kicked me on my ass. Knocked me on my ass. COVID, I was just kind of tired for a couple days. I went and worked out a couple days later. Seriously. Went to the boxing gym after, you know, um, quarantining and all that. Okay, I did the right thing. But I went to the boxing gym. It was okay. Uh, but um, some people have complications. And, and, and Virgil Ortiz is one of those guys. Uh, so we got COVID a couple times. And then he had, I'm going to butcher this word, Rob Dom Yolysses. Rob Dom Yolysses. <laughs> I, I'm, I know I'm. Just destroying that word. It's a big word, okay? Which is a disease, or I don't know if you call it a disease, a condition, let's call it that, where um, there's breakdown of muscle tissue. And that causes a release of myoglobin into the blood, okay? So basically, your muscles are leaking into your blood. It's not good, okay? He had this, I want to say, 
uh, maybe in 2021, and then he, um, or maybe 2022, and that was the first cancellation or postponement with Stanionis. And then he had an appendectomy earlier this year. Dude, that happened. Who's? I don't even know anyone who's had one of those. He got an appendectomy, so that means his appendix burst. Right? He had that earlier this year when they were supposed to do the fight. So then it got postponed again, and um, then he got rhabdomyolysis again. So, so he's had a lot of health problems in the last few years. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't know how much of this could be related to COVID or the COVID shots, because. 99.9% of people do just fine with both, but some people, a small percentage, have complications with one or both of those. So perhaps it's related to that. Perhaps it's related to him making an unnatural weight. And some guys genetically are just able to do that. Ennis is able to do And this is a middleweight. He's a middleweight. If, if this was the 1970s, Jaron Ennis would be fighting at middleweight right now, today. Okay. But in this era, with all the technology we have and all of the, the IVs and all the kind of stuff these guys use, uh, he's fighting at welterweight and he's able to do it right now and perform well. Virgil Ortiz maybe genetically just isn't one of those guys and he's got to move up and wait. We shall see. But um, it's tough, man, because I liked watching the kid and I was really looking forward to like, ho I was hoping that Virgil Ortiz and Jerron Ennis would be the antithesis of Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence in that they would actually fight in their 20s when it really mattered and then fight a second time, maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, and then a third time in their mid 30s. And that would be the big blockbuster million plus pay-per-view selling fight. Uh, they'd have a series of fights between them. I thought, man, there's a potential here where these guys could fight at welterweight, junior middleweight, middleweight. It could look a lot like Leonard Hearns. You know, these guys, it, it could look like a 21st century version of that demographically and everything else. I just thought, man, there's so much potential there. And it just looks like, I, I don't know. It just looks like at this point that, because again, if Ortiz comes back, which he will, he's going to, he's only 25 years old. Of course, he's going to keep fighting. He'll be back. I don't know if he's going to be the same after this to have this many postponements to, um, start and stop, which is really bad for your body when you're cutting weight. Start and stop, start and stop, and get off of your rhythm and have all these issues. I just don't know if he's ever going to be the same dynamic type of fighter again. I hope I'm wrong. I really, really do, obviously, but I don't know. I don't know. As for Jerron Ennis, though, um, he is going to keep marching on. And like I said, he will have that IBF belt, the full belt, either by the end of this year or early next year, and he'll be the guy running that division once Spence and Crawford leave, as for Ortiz, I, I just don't know. Uh, if he stays at 147, which is really, really risky for him, considering all the issues he's had, there will be a belt there for him because that division is going to be wide open. Uh, but other than that, I, I don't know. Okay. Um, CJ Duncan in the house with the super chat. Thank you, CJ. He says, salute MLB crew. Y'all hit that thumbs up for the algorithm. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. You got another super chat from one foot out the door. Thank you so much. He says, Ortiz needs to move up to 154 or retire. He's burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, man. Um, I just, obviously there's something going on here that it just hasn't been right since 2020 for him. And having COVID and the complications he's had and all that, 
something ain't right. And maybe it's just he needs to move up to 154. And genetically, he can't cut weight the same way other guys can unnaturally. He needs to go to 54. Maybe he'll do better there. Maybe he'll thrive there. Who knows? Because the guys running that division right now, um, they're on their way out. Charlo, we know already know. Jamel Charlo is moving up. Those belts, I don't know when, but at some point they'll be broken up. You got Tim Zhu there. Uh, as I mentioned, Spence and Crawford will move up there, but they're not going to fight anybody other than each other. Uh, but Ortiz would have some opportunities at 154 if he moves up for some of those vacant belts. Trent Nadparil with the Super Chat. Thank you so much. He says, love having you back. I got a lot of respect for George Cambosos and his skills, but Maxi Hughes is on a hot streak. I'm going with Hughes. Ooh, upset special. What does Zoo do now? You were right about that Charlo fight. Well, actually, I, I thought it was going to be Jamal Charlo. That's what I said on last week's show multiple times, right? Because that was the report. So that just would, would make sense because Jamal's at 160. But it's Jamal. I don't know what the hell is going on with Jamal. I don't know how he still has his belt. That's just straight up corruption from the WBC. Sorry, I just got to say it. Or collusion, let's put it that way. Collusion with them and their business partner, Al Heyman. But 154, moving up to 168. Okay, the top guy in that division now, seemingly, it's wide open, but you got to say the top guy in terms of hot streak and all that, to use your term, I got to say it's Tim Zhu. And he's going to fight. He's probably not, he's not going to get to fight for the undisputed, which is a real shame because that's what he wanted. But he'll get to fight for one of the belts at least. And that should come up maybe by the end of this year. I mean, Jermel Charlo is about to fight Canelo Alvarez. So I don't see how all four sanctioning organizations let him hold on to those belts to fight Canelo. And then he can move back down to 154 and fight Zoo, a fight that was supposed to happen, I think, late last year. Charlo's not going to fight again this year. So, so like, how long can they keep Zoo waiting? I don't know. Meanwhile, Zoo just continues to develop and get stronger and get better. So uh, that he's doing the right thing by staying active and busy while all these other guys are sitting on their ass looking for a big payday. Um, so good props to him. But I don't know, dude. I don't think he's going to get that fight for Undisputed. I, I think he's going to fight for one of the vacant belts at some point. Uh, hopefully the sanctioning organizations do the right thing, start doing the right thing, and give these other guys like Zoo. Uh, like Ennis, like Ortiz, opportunities to fight for full titles because these are the guys that are going to be running these divisions for the next few years. So uh, an interesting pick with Hughes over Cambosos. I could see that. I could see that. I don't know if I'd bet that if I was a betting man, but I, I could definitely see it. Trent with another super chat. Thanks again. Says, Mak Mudav, still got that Tourette syndrome head shake. How you feel about Jalalov going with top rank? He was only 23 when he lost to Joyce. <clears throat> I didn't even know Jalalov went with top rank. That's an interesting move. Let me look this up here. I'm going to pull this up and I want to see, because I want to see what year he went pro. Tech, 2018, 2018. Okay. 6'7". Um, Southpaw out of Uzbekistan, 81-inch reach, based now in Brooklyn, uh, 29 years old, hasn't fought anybody, anybody. I mean, his opponent's list, uh, his last fight was against Curtis Harper. 
Curtis Harper at one point was, you know, a respected gatekeeper kind of guy, respected journeyman kind of guy, uh, but he's he passed his best. Um, but yeah, dude, his resume, ugh. but top rank knows what they are doing. They know what they're doing and they've invested in the heavyweight division recently. So them going with him, uh, I think they see something there, something that they can develop. And it's always good to have a rival. If you've got Jared, big baby Anderson over here, and you've got Jalalov over here, and eventually you can match the two of them against each other or make a fight uh, that people want to see between those two, you're in the power position. And so um, I think they're making a smart move here. Real smart move. And by the way, he's um, obviously he's older and, and, and I don't know if he's ready to fight for a title now, but they're going to move him quicker. I would think they're going to move him quicker just because of his age. He's almost 30. And we got Johnny's combat talk and news. Thank you so much, Johnny, for the super chat. It says, from my earnings after Inoue KO's Philly Malignaggi, <laughs> salute Paisan. Congratulations on a new addition to the family. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, look, so guys, Johnny is all in on Inouye, not only beating Fulton, but stopping him later this month. I definitely think it's possible. That would be a hell of a statement. If no, if no need to, if Naoya Inouye does that, uh, he's like the pound for pound debate is over, over if Inouye wins that fight, particularly if it's by knockout. But even if it's by dominant decision, let's say, I think the pound for pound debate is over. But we're getting two fights in less than a week later this month that will have huge pound for pound list implications, potential pound for pound number one guys, depending on how those fights shake up. So um I, I like in a way in that fight. Of course we'll talk more about it as we get closer to it. But um Fulton ain't no joke. Fulton ain't no joke. All right, let's do a quick preview guys. Uh this Saturday, July 15th in Las Vegas, it's PBC on Matchroom. I mentioned Nonito just a second ago, the Freudian slip. Nonito Donaire making his comeback, going up against Mexican Alexandro Santiago for the vacant WBC bantamweight title. This is one of the titles that, of course, Inoue held when he was undisputed at bantamweight. He's moving up in weight to fight Fulton, so he dumped those belts opens up uh, an opportunity here for Donaire to fight once again for a title. Uh, Donito has lost four of his last nine fights going back to 2016. So that's seven years back. He is four, or he is five and four going back seven years. Some of those fights were at uh, featherweight, right? He's moved back down in weight. <clears throat> we'll see. We'll see how he looks. I I'll tell you this. Um, uh, Santiago will put up a tough fight, but you have to favor Donaire. You have to favor him uh, just because of the experience and everything. If he is has anything left, anywhere near what he used to be, he should win this fight and grab another belt. Where he goes after this, I don't know. I don't know. That division's kind of wide open right now after Inoue left. Also on this card, uh, Frank Martin, lightweight prospect, making his first fight of the year. Going up against an Armenian, a German-based Armenian, Artem Harut Yanyan. Yunyan. Harut Yunyan. That's a tough name. Anyway, he is uh, coming off a, a year-plus layoff himself. So, uh, inactivity. It's just something out there. 
Um, that's causing issues. It's not only American fighters, but um, on the surface, this should be a nice stern test for Martin, but he should pass this test with uh, with flying colors. Also on this card, uh, Dominican Republic native Elvis Rodriguez going up against Ukrainian veteran Victor Postal, who is having his fourth fight since 2018. He's basically semi-retired uh, at this point in a 10-round junior welterweight fight. And then from Detroit, Michigan, my hometown, uh, matchroom boxing on the zone, Alicia Baumgartner defending her undisputed 130-pound or junior lightweight title championship against uh, Christina Lenar Dutu, who only has two losses. And one of them is to Delphine Persoon, who is a pound-for-pound level top woman fighter for a long time, and Katie Taylor, who was – uh, the best in the world for a while. This is a rematch. These two fought back in 2018, and Linar Datu won that by split decision, I think it was. I think it was a very close fight, split decision. Um, so now I think Bob Gardner is a huge favorite here, and she's going to show her growth from you know over the last five years and her development, and I think she wins this fight pretty big. But these two got history. It should be pretty fun. Uh, Bumgarner's from Michigan, so it's going to be a fun crowd there in, in Detroit. Wish I could be up there for it. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. All right, we got some more super chats. We've got uh, one from Jack Talks Boxing. Thank you so much, Jack. He says, "No excuse from Virgil. I feel for Stanionis. You know that's a good point. I feel it for Stanionis too because I feel like this guy has done everything that PBC's asked him to do." And he's kind of gotten screwed over by this whole situation and kind of been sitting around. And because of the contract he has, he really couldn't stay very busy in the meantime. And so he's lost a lot of momentum too. And I think they're going to feed him to Ennis. They're going to kind of use him as a guy for Ennis to, to build um, his, his resume a little bit. So he's just really kind of getting screwed over by this whole deal. And, um, you know, that's just part of what, guys from that part of the world coming over here, what they go through. It's, it's just a process right now for them. So um, that's what I see happening, but it's hard not to kind of feel for them. Anyway, uh, Gideon with a super chat. Thank you so much. He said corruption. WBC won't even let Bivol fight. Shake my head. Yeah. There's another guy I kind of feel for. I mean, Dimitri Bivol, his team um, hasn't done an expert job of, of capitalizing off of that Canelo win but, you know, they were trying to negotiate a fight at 168 for undisputed at 168 against Canelo. And the WBC was basically cock blocking that. Now they're saying it was money and Bivol priced himself out. He wanted too much money. Last time I checked, he won the first damn fight. So does that mean he gets, should get 50-50 with Canelo? No, I don't think so. But he should get a little bit more money. But ultimately, even if they were able to work something out, the WBC wouldn't even recognize it. So he couldn't fight for undisputed at 168. Now, if he wants to fight for undisputed at 175 um, against Better Biev, should he win his next fight? And that's no guarantee. Um, I don't know if the WBC is going to recognize it then. So he's kind of like on the outside looking in, and none of it is his fault. But yeah, I kind of feel for him too. He hasn't fought yet at all this year. And at some point, he's got to get in his team's um, ear and say, listen, I, just get me a damn fight. And for, for the record, they said um, last time I heard from them that they will fight this year, but it will be like 
November, October, November. It's going to be like the fourth quarter. I know that. And I don't know where the hell it's going to be. It might not even be in America, but it will be somewhere in the fourth quarter. Okay. <clears throat> That's it. If, um, Okay, yeah, here it is. Timmy and or Yimmy in the chat. Sorry, he says uh, Bill was offered ten million dollars by the zone. He wanted fifteen million. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I can ask Dimitri about that. Maybe, maybe I can um, next time I chat with him, we can ask him about that. Maybe we can have him on the show again and ask him about that. But um, I, I'd hate that to think that that fight fell apart over money. You know, um, I know the first time around they did take short money because they just wanted the opportunity. And I think maybe now he's looking at it like, hey, I did the thing. I showed up. I got the W. Pay me. Uh, but I don't know. Either Again, either way, if they worked it out with money, WBC was going to cock block it. Sal says, there's no corruption in boxing. Stop it, guys. Yeah, come on. Come on. Couster says, Bob Arum said, Bivol is an automatic no cause. The w Automatic no because of the WBC. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And then Gideon says, I was referring to Charlo still holding on to his WBC belt. Ah, okay. Now I see what you're saying there. Yeah, the WBC, again, I like a lot of things that they do. I, I, I truly do. And I do think that they are the best sanctioning organization in terms of taking care of the fighters and fighter safety and things like that. I, I truly, truly believe that. And there's a lot of things I've seen them do uh, at the amateur level and then taking care of retired fighters, all kinds of stuff. But they have clear double standards in the way they treat different fighters from different parts of the world and stuff like that. And um, the the hypocrisy of how Dimitri Bevel is being treated, and I can mention other fighters in recent years. Josh Taylor is one. Just the way certain guys have been treated, and then you look at this current situation with the Charlos, it's just like, dude, like it's not – how is this acceptable? At least be consistent. Just be consistent. I think that's all we're asking for. <clears throat> I don't think that's too much to ask for, right? Just a little consistency. Uh, Timmy Turner says uh, Spence fights like once every two years and they didn't strip him. Yeah, he's being allowed to fight for undisputed. When's the last time Spence fought a mandatory? And it's because the sanctioning organizations are all kind of working together with the promotion to get this undisputed fight, which is great. That's the fight we all want. But you just see other fighters get screwed over. And, I mean, look, right now, Tiafima Lopez could be the undisputed junior welterweight champion of the world if Josh Taylor wouldn't have been stripped. Right? So, um, that, I mean, who does that hurt? I think that hurts fans. I think that hurts Tio. Um, it's just some of the inconsistency with these guys, it's, it's hard to deal with. <clears throat> Uh, Yimmy adds, the zone was willing to pay Bivol 10 million, but his team on 50 million. Chris Mannix said this um, on his podcast, the weight and money issue had Canelo versus Bivol to fall apart, but fans say Canelo ducked. I don't think Canelo ducked. I think that's ridiculous to say Canelo ducks anybody. This dude moved up to 175 and fought Dimitri Bivol, who might be the best light heavyweight in the world. He's no less than the second best. Uh, one of the, the better fighters in the world. So, Stop with that. Does Canelo engage in opportunistic matchmaking, being a businessman before being a fighter, a little bit of Floyd Mayweather's playbook? Of course he does. Did he wait out Gennady Golovkin? Yes. 
did he go to 168 and fight everybody there with matchroom because it was easy money and it was um just much easier fights than the guys that were at 160 at the time yes now he's fighting all the pbc guys that are going to be moving up because those are the easier fights listen canelo he's proven himself he will take chop challenges but he does it on his own timeline as far as him and the bivol thing i think it's just a combination it's just a perfect storm of insanity why that rematch didn't happen i'll tell you this i would prefer canelo and bivol fight for 168 undisputed more so than canelo versus jermel charlo because i just don't know where, where the build is between canelo and jermel charlo canelo's going to win the fight by decision and then what's the play there that they do the brother revenge thing and have Canelo fight Jamal Charlo? Does Jamal move back down to 154? Is he going to be able to move back down 14 pounds or does he move down to 160 when Jamal moves up to fight Canelo? Like, I don't know what the play there is. And they're not going to tell us because they don't do that over there. So I just don't know. But if Bivol could fight Canelo and get undisputed at 168, then move up and fight better BF for undisputed at 175. There's a build there. There's a storyline there. There's something we can all follow. If Canelo were to beat Bivol in the rematch, he avenges that loss. And it's huge. It's huge for him. So th there was just a more, to me, more of a storyline and build and history and everything with that rematch. It's a shame it didn't happen. Sal asked, any news on Boo Boo? Ha! Demetrius Andre mentioned on the show. He fought earlier this year. He actually fought. I don't know who the hell he fought. I can't remember. <clears throat> Shadow Combat says, I prefer a better BF versus Bivol. Oh, of course. I do too. I mean, that's the fight that we want. But better BF has a mandatory uh, that he's fighting later this year. I'm trying to think, when is that fight? Better BF's fight. It's somewhere in the, I think it's in the summer, I think. I can't, I can't remember the exact date. But he's got a tough mandatory, and then he's going to be out for the remainder of the year. So it's just like if you had Bivol fight Canelo again around the same time, and then better Biev and Bivol should Bivol beat Canelo again, which I think he would, you have those two fight early next year. And I thought that would have been the proper build. Um, and of course, that's a bigger, more important fight globally. But yeah, we're not, I don't know if we get, if we get that fight anymore. I just don't know, man. <clears throat> Yimmy asks, um, is Canelo that much bigger than Jermel Charlo? I saw a photo of them together and Jermel looked bigger. Yes, guys. By the time they get into the ring, mark it down right here. Go ahead and timestamp this. Go ahead and bookmark this, what I'm about to say. By the time these two get in the ring in late September, on fight night, I'm not talking about the weigh-in. I'm talking about fight night. Jermel Charlo will, will look a full weight class bigger than Canelo Alvarez. I'm telling you right now. It's just genetics. It's the way these guys are built. Canelo's more of a stocky kind of be as more of a wrestler MMA type of build. Jamel has that classic boxer build and he's going to fill out and look like the bigger man in that fight. You will see, you shall see. Uh, okay. Well, I don't have any phone calls here guys. And I know I dropped in. Um, actually, yeah, what the heck happened? Are any of you guys on hold right now? Cause I probably did something wrong with the damn phone lines, but let's see. Obviously, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm looking here on my software off screen here, and it's showing that I have no callers. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I have no callers. Actually, okay. I lied. One just called in. We'll take one call real quick. Hopefully, I don't screw this up. It's been a while. Let's jump to um, jump to five five nine. What's up? You're on the show. How you doing? Hi. What's up, Michael? It's me, Miguel. Miguel, how you doing, man? Congratulations, everyone. Miguel just had a baby. Everybody. Oh, hey, hey, Michael. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah, I just had a baby boy, little little Miguel Amir Maximiliano Puente Flores Jr. <laughs> now that is a freaking name. That is a freaking name. I love it. We couldn't we couldn't decide. She wanted uh to put Amir in there, like Amir Khan. The the name actually means prince. Mm. It's because my girl's black and I'm Mexican, and I was like, well, I want a long first name because that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, yo, you got both sides represented. That's what it's all about. Just like me, me and my wife, man. Uh, it's the same same kind of thing. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. This is my first child. I can't put into words how happy I am. Just like you, you know, it's just something you can't really describe, but you just gotta basically go with the flow, roll with the punches, because yeah. Yeah, we haven't gotten sleep. <laughs> yeah, bro, you ain't gonna get sleep um, for a while, homie. So uh, let's go make training hard. Yeah, hey, yeah. hey, but you know, it was uh, we we were gonna do a, a traditional, but we went with the cesarean because uh, they wanted to go with cesarean. She's high risk. She has certain issues, and um, we went high risk cesarean, but we did it. I can't even, man, bro. It's like when you first see the creation that God in the universe has blessed you with, it's, it's like it, it transforms into something else, you know, something better. It, ch- it changes said, you as a person, right? I like, I, I like, I feel like back when I was in my single days, man, I, I, dog, I was a fucking animal. I was out there dating just a thousand women at once. You know, I was a, I was a damn animal. <laughs> and I used to laugh at people that said shit like that. Oh, you should, have, you know, one day you, you're going to have kids that's going to change your life. And I'd be like, man, that's a bunch of bullshit. It's know, true. Right? Yeah, it's it's it. yeah. true. It's absolutely true. Yeah, man. And with that said, hey, like everything's going good. Uh, we live a very humble life. I do want to comment. Um, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't called in. I didn't call into your last show. I'm sorry. I've been so busy. But I do want to comment on a couple of things uh, related to um, what you were talking about right now, if I may, uh, with the Charlo brothers. Yeah, um, I ain't gonna lie. I, PVC got their the work cut out for them. They know what they're doing, obviously. Uh, for people to say that Canelo's ducking, he's not really ducking. He, like you said, he's going for the money fights, man. And um, them boys ain't no joke. Even the 54 Charlo, the one that was supposed to fight Tim Zoo, actually, um, he's pretty good. Yeah, uh, he's good. pretty experienced. He hasn't knocked anyone out in a while. Um, I, I believe he stopped Castaño, right? Am I correct? In, in the rematch, yeah. And that's that's what I like okay, about so Jamel, that's... though, because he, he's lost. I thought he lost that first fight with Castaño. But he's 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 taken L's and come back from them and responded. And I think that yeah, builds he, character, you know? I think he's ready for this moment. I do. I, yeah, I, he did the same thing with um, – the the master boxer dude Harrison. Uh, Harris Harrison Tony Harris. Harrison yeah Harrison even though he gashes out yeah you, you have to go the distance with him all, all the way late to knock him out because that guy's good and he beat him the first time and 
you would think, you know, with all that adversity and everything, he probably would, he won the rematch. He knocked him out, and then he did the same thing with this guy, yeah. Castaño. I think that's I think that speaks volumes a little louder than the other Charlo, oh, yeah. who quite frankly hasn't done hasn't done shit. No offense, yeah. you know, excuse my language. Uh, but uh, I agree. I mean, you know, and to and to put it bluntly, too, a lot of these guys, I would say the vast majority now. That's unfortunately how boxing is right now. It's stagnant with with inactivity because of all the money fights guys are going after. Primarily, the everyone's waiting for the Canelo fight, yeah. and Hey, give it to Charlo and them. Um, whatever they did must have worked. The the sixty four Charlo, the the lower weight class one. But um, I I got a Canelo probably stopping him. If they go the distance, Canelo gets the the W. I don't see how this guy can jump up two weight classes, the the hardcore ones, middleweight and super middleweight, and fight this dude who's already at the elite level. You know, uh, he's a champion at that. So it'll be probably uh. That will probably be the upset of the of of the of the year, if you will. But other than that, um, how about this Errol Spence and Crawford fight getting announced? Yeah, finally we're here. What man. do you think? I mean, I obviously, yeah. obviously, I love the fight. I just wish you know they were fighting the rubber match right now. Um, I love, I, I love the fight. I'll be watching, of course. Um, you know, it is what it is. Um, we finally get it. I just hope you, it lives up to the hype, man. I think both guys are skilled. Um, I, I I don't know. Errol, Errol's more like of a rugged guy, like a more of a rugged dude. He does have a jab. He does have a good you know, variation of the jab, too. He can throw it. But it's just he's – I think he's too rough around me. He, he, he reminds me of like a Sean Porter, but like a better – a little better of a version. You know what I mean? Yeah. I but we already that. know – what Crawford did to him, you know, he he knocked him out, stopped him, and and they they had to actually threw in the towel because they didn't want him to get brutalized. Errol knocked him down and and didn't go for the finish. So this is my thing. This is my take on this. Since like you said, we are finally here. We have to put in all the factors and even all the X factors that people are not considering. They they did it on purpose. They waited this long, and all of it. They did all. They made all these excuses that it was called for this and that. And then out of nowhere, when we knew you guys are waiting for this guy to get a little older, you guys get the fight signed like right away, overnight. We didn't even. There was no uh, Coppingers or the Ralph, Dan Raphael's a weeks ahead saying, "Oh, it's gonna happen." Like no, nothing. It it was actually real, but it was like overnight. It was a little funny, but to me, it's a telltale sign that yeah, they did age. Wait, wait on Crawford to age a little did. bit, but same, but same time, um, that kind of used to work in the I would say the Mayweather era, if you will, because those guys are still active. They waited for guys to keep fighting as their age progressed. Crawford's been chilling; he's not stupid. You know what I mean? So I, he did get a little older, but at the same time, he has taken no. He's he's basically taking no damage. So he's yeah. still like, you know, physically, mentally in his peak. I was watching the All Access, and um, he, I mean, this guy—I <laughs> don't know—he could be 40, 50 years old. He's still gonna have that dog in him. This guy's a mean ass mf'er. You understand what I'm saying? Crawford is, and they know they—they've never encountered something like that. They'll never will again. And um, the skill set speaks for themselves. I, 
I have Errol. If he wins, I have I have it like a barely. It's it could be like the speed as a draw because, I mean, who who has hurt Crawford? And not to say that anyone's hurt Errol really, but I mean the caliber of fighters. I kind of have it to Crawford because of the way the the fights went. They weren't stable fight. Like you know, PBC has their own stable fighters, and they pitted them all against Errol Spence basically for his catering. Especially with the Danny Garcia fight. I don't know what that was about, but that came to show right there, you know what I mean? And yeah, he's a good fighter, and, and they have pretty good resumes themselves, a lot of fighters. But once again, it's an in-house thing. Yeah. Uh, Crawford has the more experience with different types of fighters from different stables, you know? And I just think uh, their plan to age this guy, it, it's not going to work because, I, once again, the only way you can do that is, for example, like. Um, like okay, so like like Canelo did with Triple G, Triple G did sit on the shelf a little, you know. But at the same time, he kept fighting, you know. And then, you know, he didn't sit around and wait for the Canelo rematch, or he didn't sit around and and wait for that shit to brew up, you know, for years, because the clock is ticking. And right. like I said, he the clock for him is an active clock. He fights, you know. So that's the difference right there. And with Canelo, it worked. He was a little more age. I mean, he was way more age by the time they did the rubber match. Nobody was even interested in it, but it worked. He got him when, when he wanted, and he beat him. Um, I don't think this is the same scenario at all. Like, yeah, I don't know if you watched the All different. Access the other day. You, yeah, I don't know if you watched the All Access the other day. I don't um, watch any of that shit no more, man. Yeah. I, I don't watch I don't, I don't either. I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't either. It's very annoying. It's very fucking it's just cliche. The same crap. And, like, just yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing but, over and over. But at the same time, but this is the only time I was interested in it. I will say this because it's Terrence Crawford, man. You know, and I want to mm-hmm. see, I want to see him talk a little bit. I mean, Errol Spence, he's cool and everything, but it's the same PBC script. You know what I mean? Uh, the same words that all the other fighters say is basically scripted. They go in there and say what they're told. Crawford don't. And he don't do what other fighters you know do normally like he's very traditional but he'll get in your face and dude he he's pissed <laughs> and like he's really mad like in general he said it himself like, like it. it took this long it took it took this long to make this fight you know what i mean and there was all like i was saying earlier there was all these issues but now all of a sudden we can do it you know what i mean because they and he said it it's because they know they got no other option left what are they gonna do move up and man i mean when I say this dude's mad, like genuinely mad, he ain't hyping it up. He got in Errol Spence's, uh, I think his dad or his trainer, the ball dude. What's his name? Errol Spence's trainer, that tall ball dude. Uh, Derek James. Yeah, he he got in his face. Like they would say, what's up to each other? This guy just yeah. tried to, Crawford, you know. Crawford is when, that when dude. Like, Craw- Crawford is that dude. He, he's, yes. he's a mean guy. Yes, dude. Like, I mean that respectfully. Yeah, he know? said, what's up? Yeah, he, yeah, he said hi to Derek James. You know, a bunch of people around. His media scrum shit. But Crawford's right there in his little regular attire. And these dudes are all in suits, whatever. And Derek James, you know, he's walking by and he tells him hi. And Derek James says hi back. But he fails to stop and make like, acknowledge him, you know. And he this dude from the streets, you know, from Omaha, Nebraska. And on top of that, he's, he's a champion, well-respected. You're not going to just high and by and keep walking. You, you, you got to sit there and say hi to me. You know what I mean? Respect me because, you know what I mean? Come on now. This is the reason why it's happening. And this guy, 
he didn't like that. He told J- Derek James off, and like people got in the way right away. Like it's it's not gonna be pretty for Errol Spence. I I hate to say it, he is a good fighter, but we're gonna see what happens when they fight, and we're gonna see why you don't do what they do. You know, with certain types of guys, because. The Mayweather blueprint does work. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we're living in the era of everyone's doing it. You know what I mean? Even Bivol hasn't announced his next fight with anybody else to stay busy. That tells you that much. Because guys know, you know what? If they're staying busy and taking more damage, that's what, that's what these other guys want. I'm going to just wait and get these money fights. Okay, that's cool. But sometimes it backfires. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? And we've seen it time and time again um, with guys not being active enough and just thinking they can wait for a big money fight and not even necessarily Canelo fights. I'm like in, in general in their own divisions. Right. It's gotten stagnant with inactivity because guys just want to wait for the money fight and it goes all bad. They, they once they fight, we just seen it right now with oh my God, I can't even believe I'm saying this. And like I can't even believe I watched it, but it was sad to watch what happened to um Josh Taylor, for example. Inactivity killed his career, man. Killed and activity killed it. He was supposed to fight Catterall. Catterall deserved the rematch. It was that close. It was this close. And then it, it fell off because, oh, we're going to fight Teofimo. And as much as people want to hail Teofimo, he, he's kind of been active lately. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes. And um, he is a hard hitter as much as annoying as he is, and especially now with their racist take on to try to get people's heads. Whatever you, whatever the Duke can fight, and Taylor just sat on the shelf for like what a year. It felt, yeah, I don't know exactly Something how long, like but that. it might have been a year. Yeah, he, he's just been very. Yeah, it was, a, it was at least a year. It was at least a year, bro. It was yeah. a while, and he's over there, you know. And this is one of those guys. He, he's a guy that beat Ramirez, you know, and he was active all the way up to he beat Ramirez. Very successful. His skills showed it, by the way. He looks sharp. Pro gray. Sits on the shelf. Yeah, sits on the shelf because he got offered the money for the fight. And Teofimo knew it, and they waited longer because all this stuff happened in the, in the in the background without us knowing way before we know it already happened. So, like, very new. We're going to age him a little bit for a year. We're going to fight him. We're going to beat him. And they did. He was bigger. He was stronger. He was doing all right. But look how rusty he was. It looked horrible, you know. Once he yeah. got his jab going, he, it's like the engine got – after, like, a whole round throwing jabs and landing him, he'll stop because the inactivity, his muscles didn't have the memory of – being a fully active fighter, you understand? So it's hard to watch. It can go 50-50 even with the elite fighters because of the damn issue. But I say Aerosmith gets knocked out by round nine or ten. He's durable. You're on the record, brother. You're on the record. I'm going to jump to the the next call. I'm on the record saying it. I'm on the record saying it between rounds eight, nine, ten, late rounds. Aerosmith gets knocked out. Probably from uh, accumulated Damage like Crawford always does. Okay. Um, if not, you might see uh, Crawford losing by robbery or like a majority decision. That might be my and, pick. Uh, but I'm gonna say, pick I'm gonna save it. my pick for now. But all right, man, I gotta jump to other calls, Miguel. Hey, it was nice talking to you. Thank you for having me. I, I just I had a call. I was watching a short out eating, but I was like, man, ain't no one calling right now. It's been a while and. I appreciate it. Thank you, bro. It's still good to talk to you. God bless you. God bless you, your family, your baby. Thank you for the shout out. And um, yeah, bro, I'll keep you updated on my fight and stuff. Okay, cool. I'm supposed to fight August 5th, so I'll hit you up, bro. All right, man. Peace. All right, there he goes. There he goes. Um, 
Yimmy with uh, a very interesting question. He says, is Canelo versus Charlo a bigger pay-per-view than Crawford versus Spence? You know, part of me wants to say maybe because Canelo is the face of boxing. But Canelo's lost a lot of momentum, and Charlo just has no brand. Remember when the Charlos did that one pay-per-view, which was actually probably the best pay-per-view PBC's ever put on in, in terms of the matchmaking, the actual fights? And it didn't even crack 100,000 buys. So he, they just don't sell. Uh, Crawford versus Spence has – it's it's going to cross over with certain elements of the media, particularly the black American media that are going to get invested um, in that fight and really, really promote it. It's, I think it's actually going to surprise people, the numbers that it does. Uh, it's going to probably, it's not going to like be a huge fight commercially, but it's going to outperform some people's expectations. I'm going to go with Crawford Spence. I am. I'm going to go with Crawford Spence. Okay. Uh, what else did I miss? Did I miss anything else? Yimmy also adds, uh, unpopular opinion, but I'm looking forward to Inouye versus Fulton more than Spence versus Crawford. I'm right there with you. I, I am too. And it's not because I don't like Spence Crawford. I love that fight. I just like Inouye versus Fulton even more. And I, I think those two guys are fighting at the right time, right place, all of it. And um, I'm actually looking forward to that one more. And it's not going to cost me a premium. All right, let's jump to the phones again real quick. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get Nacho on the line. Nacho, what's up, brother? Hey, Mike. What's going on? Long time no hear from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's nice to to talk to you again. Absolutely. Um, just real quick, Mike. Uh, um, congrats on the uh, on the second baby. Um, Thank you. I'm sure you're pretty uh, stoked about that. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to talk really quick about the uh, card this weekend. Um, <clears throat> the uh, main event. I mean, Boots looked great. I think um, the fact that he was able to um, beat up uh, Via the way he did and take him out, that legitimately has to make him a real threat to everybody at 47 at this point because not too many people expected him to do what he did this past weekend to Via. A lot of people thought maybe he might win on points. Maybe he might, uh, you know, escape with a close decision, but... He dominated that fight, and he ended up taking him out and stopped him. I mean, it was a hell of a performance. Um, I'm just curious to see what they do with him next because um, someone like Thurman's not going to fight him. He has no interest in fighting a guy like that. And he can't fight um, Spence Crawford because most likely they're going to fight a second time sometime next year. So at this point, I mean, if anything, maybe Stanny Onis, since he's not going to get to fight uh, Virgil Ortiz, why not give him the shot at Boots at this point? Because he's not, he doesn't have a fight lined up, and Boots is going to need another test. So I think that might be um, one of the options for him for his next fight. And it's a guy who's young and in his prime as well, so it's not like he's fighting some older, faded fighter. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, I'm sure Villa will uh, come back. I give him a lot of credit. He's tough. He took a lot of punishment. He's a rugged dude. I just hope that uh, he doesn't. Um, I just hope he doesn't come back at some point this year. Give him the rest of the year off. Let him heal from that from that beating, and then come back next year, and then you know start uh, making his way back. Because 
that was brutal at the end. I thought they could have stopped that fight in the seventh round if they wanted to with as much punishment as he took in that round. And they didn't end up stopping until the 10th. So I, I just think the, the guy got beat up a lot more than he should have. They could have saved him. But, you know, sometimes the corner is a lot braver than the actual fighter is at times. So, uh, And then with the other fights, Mike, they were kind of lackluster. Um, De, La, uh, De Los Santos is a, a good fighter, but Adorno, I've never thought much of him, even when he was the top ranked. I just thought that's kind of a, a terrible matchup for De Los Santos, but I guess they just wanted to keep him busy. He won. Good for him, but let's see him against someone who's actually going to be in there to try to win. Adorno was just there kind of to survive. He didn't really do much of anything. He just took a beating for 10 rounds and got beat up. So I hope they give him a better quality opponent. I mean, if anything, I know he's fighting this weekend. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it. Frank Martin is fighting this weekend. Why not have De Los Santos against Frank Martin? That'd be awesome. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing that matchup. Yeah, I think that's a good matchup, especially since both are on the PBC side of the street, you know? Why not make that fight if, if Martin comes out uh, with a W this weekend? And then the other fight, um, Gomez and um, Taylor, that was just kind of two, just two guys. I didn't think much of Gomez before that fight. And even after the fight, I still don't think much of him. I think they just kind of hyped him up as another guy who they thought was going to be something. But I'm not, I'm not so sure. I think he's just a guy. Uh, good for Taylor. You know, he was kind of, you know, unheralded. Nobody knew who he was. And, um, you know, he won the fight, but I, I just, I don't see him being a player at 160. He, he's just a guy. He might be a guy that you put in there against, uh, somebody to stay busy, but I don't see him being a legit contender or a, a real, you know, prospect. Um, and then, uh, this weekend, Mike, I want to see Frank Martin. I think he's going to win that fight. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just not sure about that opponent. I think it's just to stay busy. I think he should win that fight. And, uh, the, uh, the Donair fight. I mean, at some point, you no, know, as great as Nonito has been, I think at some point he's got to get old, Mike. He's he's about to be 41. Yeah. He can't fight father time off forever. So, I mean, you just got to kind of wonder how much how much does he really have left at this point, you know? I mean, I, I, I love his career and I love what he's done, but at some point father time catches up with everybody. So I'm just curious to see if he if he's still got something left um, in this fight against a, a much younger stronger guy in Santiago, but I don't know. We'll see. The opener is the one I'm really interested in. Uh, Elvis Rodriguez has been kind of rebuilt ever since he lost mm -hmm. at top rank and then came over to the PVC. Uh, Postal still has something left, so I'm definitely curious to see how both of those guys perform. I think that's a fight um, that, you know, the winner moves on and, and does something and, and the guy who loses is gets all the way thrown back at the end of the line at 140 because, I mean, you know, you're not going to get too many opportunities against the bigger names if you, if you lose fights like this. So I'm interested to see if either Rodriguez steps up and beats Postal or if Postal has one last fight left in him and, you know, he makes a, a, a run one last time before um, it's too late. So, all right, Mike, I just wanted to call in and say what's up. I hadn't called your show and, 
and heard good you. Good to hear your voice, ago. Nacho. Good, good to hear your voice, yeah. brother. Good stuff yeah, as always, too. man. All right, man. All right, I'll see you. Right, talk later. Ciao. All right, there he goes, everyone. Um, we got a question from Omar in the chat. He says, hey, Mike, do you eat any different on days when you're sparring? Um, you know, what I'll do is, so if I'm sparring, let's say I'm sparring tomorrow morning. Tomorrow, I'm actually training tomorrow, but I won't spar. I sparred last week, uh, Friday morning. So the night before, I'll make sure that what I'm eating is light. I don't want to eat heavy. I don't want to, you know, eat a big greasy burger or something, or like burritos or something like that. You know, you want to eat something fairly light. On you, so that's what's on your stomach. And then um, that morning before I go in, um, like last, I think we sparred at like nine o'clock last Friday in the morning. Um, I got up and I had my coffee. I just drink black coffee. I don't put nothing in it. And then I may have had like just some fruit and some protein bars and stuff like that. I didn't want too much heavy in my stomach, but I made sure that I had nutrients, protein shake or whatever it was, uh, all that. And then, um, yeah, that's what it was. I ate like a two big ass peaches and, um, or no, a peach, the banana, I think it was. And then I had two protein bars and my black coffee, but I also made sure I was really hydrated. You just want to be hydrated during sparring. Um, that's just a thing with me. I, I don't, cause right now in these gyms down here in Atlanta where I'm training, it's so hot and humid here, dude. I am not lying guys. I sweat buckets in the winter. I don't sweat as much. But right now in the summer here, it's brutal. It's a buck 10 or higher in the ring when you're sparring here. I'm not even exaggerating. So, um, and then, you know, my coach, he doesn't turn on the AC. If they do, they turn it down to like 78. And the AC is in the back of the gym. The ring is up front. So it gets hot in there. It's over 100 degrees in that ring. And I take off my shirt when I leave and I wring it out and just water, you know, gushes out of the shirt. So, I just make sure I'm really hydrated. That's the most important thing. And you want some nutrients on your stomach, but you don't want to like eat too much. Um, now, if you're sparring at night, a little bit different, um, then you can have like a really big lunch, you know, and carbs. Again, you don't want like greasy food and stuff like that. You don't want heavy, but you can have a big lunch with a lot of carbs and get your body filled up uh, with nutrients and everything for, for later on. Um, that's the way I do it, man. It's worked for me so far. We got super chats from Aaron Gortman. What's up, Aaron? He says, yo, Mike, love you so much. I 100% believe that 36-year-old Lomachenko outboxes Shakur Stevenson, much like he did Devin Haney a few weeks ago. Damn, Aaron, putting it out there. My man putting it out there. I love it. Uh, look, I don't know where 36-year-old Lomachenko goes from here. Um, I thought he edged it against Devin Haney. I agree, guys. But if I were Loma, I would move down. I would go down to 130. He can make 130 easily, and he can become the champion in that division. I think Shakur Stevenson's on another level. His career is trending up. Say what you will about Loma. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, obviously one of the best fighters in the world of this generation. But he's on the downside. This dude had hundreds of amateur fights and he's been fighting naturally larger men now for years in his pro career. And he's approaching his late thirties for a little guy. Yeah. It's just move back down to one thirty, man. That's what I would do if I were advising Loma, but I'll tell you this, he's got brass balls and he would fight Shakur Stevenson when nobody else will Devin Haney, 
Tank Davis, get the those guys are going to fight him. But Loma would. Arrow with another super chat. Thanks again. He says, also, who do you want Tim Zhu and Jai Opataya to fight next? Speaking of the cruiserweight, you know, dude, I don't know where that, that division is just a mess. So Opataya beat Marius Bradis last year to get the IBF belt. So he has one of the belts. And then he got the ring championship, the lineal championship from Bradis because he was the guy. Uh, so right now it's Opatai at the top, Bradis uh, right behind him, and then it's the field, right? And it's just all over the place. Badu Jack has the WBC belt. Maybe try to fight him because he's probably the biggest name in the division, but he's not that big of a name. But you could try to get Badu Jack in there to unify belts, see if you can get him to travel to Australia. Uh, Chris Billum Smith has the WBO belt. Okay, maybe you can make that. There's an Armenian fighter out of France who has the WBA belt. He's undefeated. I don't know if you're going to get that fight because I don't think he's going to leave France. Uh, so, so I don't know. I mean, maybe Opadaya could leave Australia and go to the UK and fight Billum Smith. That'd be unification. That could be big. It's just going to come down to getting guys to accept the fight being able to pay them enough to come down to Australia where I think he's a brand, but he's just, just fight the other title holders, man. If you're looking for a name, the only name quote unquote in the division is Badu Jack. He's the only guy with any name recognition at all. He also has a belt. That's where I'd go first if it's possible. And then after that, man, just fight for the, just get all the belts. As far as Tim zoo, um, you know, I, I don't know. Which belts, he, obviously he was in line for undisputed against Charlo, but that's because he won a mandatory with one of the belts. I can't remember live right now um, which belt he was mandatory for. Whichever one he got mandatory status through, that's the belt he's going to fight and fight for. And if the division gets broken up, which I do think it will, and he's going to probably fight the number one available contender. So I'd have to know what organization it is that he's mandatory for. And then we'd have to look up that organization's ratings and then we could guess from there. But my personal opinion, I think Tim Zhu is ready for anybody in that division. I call him a contender. He is a contender for anybody in that division right now, including Charlo. I think he's ready. He's as ready as he's ever going to be. How about that? All right, and we got another super chat from Deed3440. Thank you so much. It says Montero Podcast Surprise. I appreciate it, man. Uh, guys, some of you probably didn't see. I did a show last week. Or no, last last week. <laughs> Not last Friday, but last last Friday. Episode 350. So I didn't do it on Monday, but I did that show before. Um so if you haven't seen that one yet, go back and watch that because I give updates there on why I've been out and what's been going on in my life. Uh, and you know, it's funny. I actually forgot to mention a couple other things that have been going on uh, that we've been going through. Um, it's just been a lot, dude. It's it's really been a lot. So, But I, I detailed all there. So go back and watch that. All right, we're going to take one more call. One more call and then we're going to bounce. All right. Let's jump to uh, 262 Kenosha, Wisconsin. What's up? You're on the show. Hey, what's up, Mike? It's Johnny, boy. How you doing? Johnny! What's up, Isaiah? How you doing, man? <laughs> what's going on? 
Uh, the, with the Nonito fight, that's the best fight of the week, and I'm curious to see what he's got left. You know, he's been out for a year, and he got, you know, that last call with the no, he didn't go too hot for him, to say the least, you know. And I like Nonito. I, I, you know, but, you know, he is getting up there in age. I think he should be, if he's got, like you said, if he's got anything left, he should be able to beat that kid. And one thing I, I've taken note of, Nonito always does good with the short guys. He always does good with the short guys, whether it's Darchinian or, or uh, Dubali or Stephen Young. The left always finds a home. So if he's got anything left, he should be able to get, get, get that. He, he should be able to beat that kid, in my opinion. I'm with you. you. Know, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. And uh, as, as far as uh, as far as I know, we faulted goes. I'm curious. I don't know if you know this or not, but who are the judges for that fight? Are they flying three Americans out there, or are they having a mixed board? I don't know. I, I didn't even look. I don't know, man. That's a good question. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's that's kind of the one thing I'm like, eh, I don't know. So I don't know if they're flying the uh, the usual suspects out there. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, they might they might be, brother. You know how that shit works. Yeah, I don't know if they, you know. I don't know if they're flying the usual suspects out there, but we'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. Hopefully, they have a a mixed board there, and you know. But I don't even think it's going to the car, dude. I, I that one. I'm with you. To me, that's the that's well, that one in Loma Haney because you know Loma's my guy. But that those two were the two I was most looking forward to for the year. Yeah. Um. I, I don't think. I, I don't think. I think Fulton's going to start off good. I think his, you know, the movement and the jab will give Anoa a little bit of issues early on, but I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to be able to sustain that all twelve rounds. I think you know he's going to. He'll find his home and he'll, uh, you know, he'll take him out late. I think. I, I think the longer that fight goes, the more it's going to go into Anoa's hands. Actually, I think, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Fulton was up like three one after four or something like that. And then the and then the tide starts to shift. The body shots start start to take their toll, and he starts yeah, to find point, the marker. At some point, something big is going to yeah. land, and it's going to change the, the fight. I agree with you, man. Like somewhere in the middle rounds, and then it's going to get more in in a way's favor. <clears throat> yeah, I, I and I'm just you know I'm just trolling when I'm calling him Philly. I call him I call him Philly. Oh, I love it. It's hilarious. Like <laughs> no, but dude, I think that. I mean, Crawford Spence is good. It's a little bit overcooked for my taste, but a couple of years overcooked for my taste. But, I'm, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm happy we're getting it. I like both of them. made the best land one. I hope it turns out to be a freaking Hagler Hearns war and everybody's raving about it. And yeah. we, get a, we get a rematch, something everybody wants to see again. But for me, it ain't even the best fight that week, let alone of the year. You know, <laughs> I completely agree with you. Completely agree, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but uh, but all right, bro. I just wanted to stop in and say hello. Glad. Uh, congratulations on the new addition to the fam and that, that other you, stuff. I've been I've, I've been saying a prayer for you too. So thank you Congrats, so much, man. Yeah, no problem, brother. I'll I'll talk to you next time. God bless everybody in the in the in the chat as well. All right, ciao. There he goes, yeah. Johnny. Johnny's the man. By the way, uh, Johnny, if you guys ain't following him on Twitter, he's a great fucking follow on Twitter. Hilarious. Uh, so Michael Mendiola said Zoo is Mando for the WBO. Okay. Uh, going back to uh, Aaron's question. 
So I just pulled up the WBO ratings. Now, this is as of June. Right now, of course, they still have Charlo as their champion. They got Zoo as interim. And then the Russian fighter, Bakram Maratsev. Maratsev um, well, I don't even know how to say that name. He's number one. Josh Kelly, number two. And Charles Conwell, number three. That's interesting. Xander Zayas, number four. That's interesting. Danny Garcia, number five. That's interesting because Zoo has been fighting on Showtime. I'm sure Uncle El could work his magic and get Garcia bumped up, and that fight could happen. That's interesting. So there's a couple different ways this can go. Um, and I, I just think if the WBO strips Charlo, they could just tell Zoo, you got to fight the number one guy. That would be him against this Russian. Obviously, at that point, that fight would be in Australia. The Russian would have to travel to Australia, and that's where they do that fight. Um, and it probably go that way for several of these guys on the list here. The only one that I, on this list in the top what, 10, 15 here that could get him to come to America, in my opinion, would be Danny Garcia. But I think he has a fight coming up anyway. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, that's it for that. Let's see. Um, I thought I see another super chat. And, uh, I think we're good. I think that is all, guys. I think we're good. All right. Great show. Had fun. Thanks a lot, guys. A couple great callers. As always, enjoyed uh, chatting it up with you guys live. And uh, we'll do it again next week, okay? We got a great month. We got some big fights to look forward to later in the month. And we'll talk more and more about those as they get closer. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll do it again soon. Love you guys. See you at the fights.